In 2009, the Berkeley Amp Lab was a center of innovation. Three projects from Amp Lab have turned into successful open source projects and companies, Spark, Mesos, and Aluxio. Haoyuan Li was the creator of Aluxio, and he returns to the show to discuss his journey taking Aluxio from a research project to a company that has customers including Alibaba, Baidu, Wells Fargo, and Samsung. Aluxio is a distributed, fault-tolerant, tiered storage system. Aluxio allows application developers to think in terms of the latency that they require from their infrastructure, rather than the details of different storage systems. Haoyuan discusses the process of integrating with gigantic companies like cloud providers, telecoms, and huge e-commerce companies. Aluxio is also hosting the upcoming conference, the Data Orchestration Summit, November 7th at the Computer History Museum, and this is in Mountain View, California. If you're building a software project, post it on FindCollabs. FindCollabs is the company I'm working on. It's a place to find collaborators for your software projects. We integrate with GitHub and make it easy for you to collaborate with others on your open source projects and find people to work with who have shared interests so that you can actually build software with other people rather than building your software by yourself. FindCollabs is not only for open source software, it's also a great place to collaborate with other people on low-code or no-code projects, or find a side project if you're a product manager or somebody who doesn't like to write code. Check it out at findcollabs.com. H.Y., welcome back to Software Engineering Daily. Thank you. Pleasure to be here again. It's great to have you back. You started Aluxio about four years ago, and I think that's that's around the time I, I interviewed you. So that was based on your, your research around distributed memory. Distributed virtual file system. That's my PhD thesis title. Right. Yeah. What problems does a distributed virtual file system solve for a developer? So... Essentially, I mean, there are different layers in the whole stack. So we are positioned to be a platform system for the data-related stack. What does that mean? It means all the advanced analytics or the machine learning AI type of data-driven applications, they need to interact with data, right? So all these type of workloads, in the end of the day, we serve this type of uh, uh, workloads and developers. And in this stack, you have platform engineers, you have uh, application engineers, different type of engineers. So essentially, our system is being deployed by platform engineers to serve the applications which is being developed by the data-driven application engineers. And then, so we enable different type of things for different type of engineers. So for the application engineers, essentially, they can see all their data in their organization through our system under unified global namespace. And we make the data interaction very fast for all these different type of applications as well. So that's our benefits, the benefit provides for the application engineers. And for the platform engineers, essentially, they can use us to build their central data platform. So to provide a very easy data access and data interaction for all the other engineers inside the organization. That's what we provide to these different type of engineers. It's quite beautiful. And 
We've done a bunch of shows uh-huh. recently about uh-huh. this idea of a data platform. So yes. like we talked to uh-huh. uh, one, of my, one of my favorite shows that we did not too long ago was with Uber about Uber's data platform. And it's got all this ETL going mm-hmm. on and, yeah. and it's, it's really beautifully crafted. And I think one thing that helped me understand how Alexio works is the API. So the APIs for writing data, mm-hmm. which allows a developer to specify how they're writing it. So if you so if you write to Alexio, you can write you can write directly to the memory storage and you can also write to the underlying storage or you can just write to the underlying storage or you can just write to the memory. You can do those two operations synchronously. You can do those two operations asynchronously. It gives the developer a ton of flexibility for where they are doing their write and potentially to multiple places. Why is that useful? So actually, before answering that question, we can take a step back. So we can talk about what's the, why do we do this in the end of the day? What's the vision? And some of the use cases, and we can use the use cases to talk about what, why people use it today and in the production environments. Fundamentally, it's about the data revolution, and we are in the data revolution era, right? So we're still at the early stage, 20 years in, and we have different type of data applications like machine learning, like analytics, etc. And there'll be more of this type of data application being created. That's how the industry is moving forward. And with this, you have so much data, right? Lots of data being created, generated, collected, and stored. And then this trigger the industry become very excited to create all type of store storage systems to store the data. Like on-premise storage, you have file system, object stores, and now you have cloud storage in all the public clouds, like all the major vendors globally, like several in the US, several in APAC, maybe some in Europe as well. I'm not that familiar with that. At the same time, like from the user perspective, that's the ecosystem. Then from the user perspective, particularly from the big enterprise perspective, is that all the data siloed in all different type of storage deployments. So how to access those data, leverage those data become very challenging. So many developers, many modelers, researchers, when they wanna do some experiments, some new data they want access, which we, they didn't have the access to in the past, they probably to wait for either four weeks or several months to gather data. That's unbelievable. So then just to experiment the data, right? So that's a challenge of these data silos, right? So with these data silos, traditionally industry try to solve the issue, say, by creating a new storage. And then typically a story will be this new storage is so awesome. So you put all your data into this new storage, then you solve your data silo issue. You remove other silos. That has always been a pitch over the past 20, 30 years. And we fundamentally, based on the industry trend, we believe that will not solve the issue. And actually there's a cycle in that industry, storage industry. So every five to 10 years, another wave of new generation storage systems. Therefore, they will not remove silos. They will continue to add more data silos. So we at Aluxio, we t- actually take a fundamentally different approach from the past. Instead of creating another storage, we're not doing that anymore. We essentially created a new layer, an abstraction layer, we call the data orchestration layer, on top of all the storage deployments. And then that layer, that system, we call data orchestration system, essentially abstract the data, virtualize the data from all different type of storage deployments, and provide the data access efficiently to all the data-driven applications. So that we made it happen that 
we made it possible that any data-driven applications, those applications only need to face this data orchestration system, which we implement as an open source software called Alexio. So only to interact with this system, to interact, read and write, all the data in different type of data silos, store silos. Maybe S3 from Amazon, maybe HDFS, maybe Asylon from all different type of storage vendors. So essentially, that's what we do, what we achieve from the whole ecosystem perspective. Then what are some values from the developer perspective, right? So we solve, we enter the ecosystem into the middle between all the data-driven applications and all the storage systems, all the storage silos. So, but from the individual developer perspective, there are so many different type of use cases. So for example, a very popular use case today is a hybrid cloud use case. So many companies, many organizations, they are exploring the cloud initiative. They want to try the cloud. So for them to try the cloud, say any data-driven applications like machine learning, like, uh, like TensorFlow, PyTorch, et cetera, or the analytics like Presto, like Spark, like uh, Hive, et cetera, they need to access the data in the end of the day. So it's a big challenge for this enterprise to enable this journey because they still have the data on-premise. So then before a solution like this data orchestration system, what they have to do is that they have to make a decision, say, oh, I want this organization is going to move a lot of data into the cloud and then start to explore the offerings in the cloud, which is very time consuming. And some organization takes two, three years to make any decision like this. So then with the data orchestration system like us, essentially this enables a very, very simple, like hybrid cloud architecture, which means they run the applications in the cloud. We call it zero data copy cloud bursting solution. Essentially application on top in the, in the cloud, burst into the cloud, run data orchestration system like Luxio alongside the data applications. And then this data orchestration system will manage the data movement between cloud and on-premise securely and also performantly. So it can, based on the policy, can have certain features like caching feature to cache the hot data in the cloud close to the compute. So that this hybrid cloud architecture works, this application in the cloud still have the performance without, without have to migrate all the data into the cloud. So that if effectively reduce the barrier for all these companies to try the cloud. That's very, very popular use case. Hmm. So then from the developer- Wait, just, 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 to, yeah. just to make sure I understand correctly. So basically the idea is you go to a company that's having trouble moving into the cloud or having trouble trying out the cloud, and you say to them, look, we're going to give you a in-memory data layer in the cloud that allows you to have fast access to the data that you want to cache in memory, and this will be a great way to onboard into the cloud. 90%. Like, you described correctly, but maybe I can add a little bit more. Sure, yeah. Like, directionally, absolutely. But instead of just only being memory, we actually have the feature called tiered storage feature so that we can manage all the storage tiers like Alexio deployed in, in any computing environment. That means memory, SSD, and HDD. So 
we essentially manage all those resources in the cloud compute cluster and manage the data back and forth, moving back and forth. That's why we call the orchestration, data orchestration. That's the meaning of it, right? Can the system can intelligently decide when to move the data where? That's 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 what we do. So, but depends on the workload. Some users will absolutely want to get the best performance. Then those users want to provision more memory resource to be managed by the system. And some users, they are happy with good performance already. So maybe they just a memory plus SSD or even HDD to be managed by this data, data orchestration system. That's what we do. But you are absolutely right. This uh, very, very popular use case, this hybrid cloud to make the cloud experiment journey very, very simple. And that's a very popular use case for these many companies. But that's a use case. Let's give this a little bit of contrast. Yeah. So there are common systems for caching data. Redis, for example. Why would I use Eluxio? I've got Redis. I can store, I can use Redis as my object yeah. cache. Why yeah, would yeah. I need anything else? So you exactly said it. Redis is a caching system. It's a very good caching system. It's a key value store caching and it's very popular for many like database type of workloads. But we are more targeting two things. Number one, we're not a caching system. We have a caching feature. So essentially what's the difference is that from the upper layer perspective, when they see this particular open source system, they just see a file system. And we put other APIs, for example, like object store APIs as well, but they see a file system with a file system namespace. And there are many things behind the scene. You can mount like HDFS, S3, GCP storage, like Asalong and IBM Clevers, if anything, Ceph, Gluster, into Alexio as a folder, right? So it's very, very similar and analogous to like say when we are using our like PC, and in the PC, you have your local file system, but behind the scene, that is essentially SSD, HDD, or NFS. And could it be from Samsung, Intel, like Western Digital, Microsoft, NetApp, etc. But as a PC user, you never knew and you, you never asked, right? So that's the beauty. You just see a very simple like namespace, when you are interacting with your data in the PC environment, you're interacting with files and folders. And all your PC application developers, when they are interacting with the data, they're not interacting directly with the SSD, right? They are interacting with their file system. Right. Happen to be maybe backed up by the SSD or backed up by NFS. Right. But they don't care. So what people may not know, listeners have varying degrees of experience, is that a file system is an interface. And to the extent that I understand it, I mean, a file system is basically an interface, right? And if you can build a in-memory system that serves that, that file system interface, it's going to be very fast. If you build it on top of, you know, a tape drive, it will still be the same interface. It's going to be much slower. But actually, from a Luxio perspective, we have this policy and we orchestrate the data. So from the backend person, we call the under storage for Luxio. It can be any type of storage, tape-based, HDD-based, SSD-based, doesn't matter. So we will, based on the policy, move the data around to make sure the applications will have the right performance with the I.O. that they need. So that's the beauty of it. So essentially, 
go back to the early question you had, what's the value to those developers? To the application developers, like Presto developer, like Spark or TensorFlow developer, they never need to care about where they store the data and how they store the data anymore and how to access the data. They just don't need to care about it anymore. So they just talk to a system like this, Alexio, a data orchestration system. And then their system, like platform administrators or operators will mount like the right under storage system into the folder so that they can access. That's in a nutshell and make their life much easier. And then on top of this, because of caching as well as other functionalities, the system has, it's much faster as well. In some cases, for example, a hybrid cloud architecture use cases, we have seen 10 times end-to-end -end performance improvement. And we have seen some of the users, they have improved like the modelers or the uh, application users, they have improved their work efficiency by four times. Like previously a work, they, have, they need a year to get it done. And now they need three months to get it done, which is fabulous. So I can think of I can think of all kinds of applications where this would be potentially useful, like backing Elasticsearch or having my data in memory to train machine learning models, or having my data in memory because it's a machine learning model that I want fast access to. What are the most common applications that you see people using the in-memory? part of of tachyon oh sorry aluxio <laughs> layered system yes uh, aluxio system like w yeah. what, are, what are the most common applications i mean funny that you mentioned our previous name tachyon uh, sorry man no I, no I no no, no, no worries so we, i like that name yeah, yeah. i like that name as well we rebranded because we got a legal letter there's another company oh, that they, was why yeah they, oh, own the, they own the trademark for tachyon so we cannot use it anymore oh, so i thought it was just like aluxio yeah. sounds cooler or something yeah, yeah, yeah. both are cool both are so, cool Aluxio means all user experience I.O. Oh. Yeah, it also means all luxury I.O. We want to build a luxury product. <laughs> okay. It does, we don't want to build a random product. <laughs> I love it. We want them to be very useful, tasteful. So that's... that's, that's Beautiful. That's, yeah. Nothing I love more than tasteful luxury UIs. Yeah, so... But go back to the original question. You're absolutely right. All the case workloads, use case you mentioned... We've seen them all. And there actually are online materials for all the cases you mentioned, like all those are there with slides, like production deployments, et cetera. But go back to what are the most popular like uh, workloads use cases today? So from the stack perspective, like uh, our top three popular like uh, analytics and the machine learning frameworks on top of us today, they are like Presto, for interactive SQL query, OLAP, they are like Apache Spark, and they are like uh, TensorFlow for machine learning type of workloads. Those three type of frameworks, they are the most popular today on top of us in terms of percentage. And then that's a stack view. From the sector view, like we have many like internet sector, like e-commerce, like financial service, and like telecommunication. There are so many use cases in those four sectors, all different type of business use cases. For example, like some ATM, like a refill routing, or, or like that's machine learning uh, modeling thing. And for example, like uh, training the model for algorithm training. For example, like uh, learning 
training the model for product recommendation for e-commerce. And that all those use cases we've seen a lot in for from the four sectors perspective. That's what's the most popular today. And from the let's say framework level, uh, stack view, stack view, industry view, sector view, as well as the the last one I want to mention is the uh, architecture view. And the very popular architecture today are like hybrid cloud, like I mentioned. You have the application burst application in the cloud running with Alexio, and then you have data on-premise. And you have single cloud, which we speed up the performance so that, for example, we have many users running like Spark, Presto, in Amazon, in Google, and on top of Luxio, on top of those clouds like object storage. Uh, that's the second type of architecture, very popular. And the other type is a, uh, like a on-premise one. So we call satellite-like architecture. You have a central, like you have big storage system somewhere, and you build several small satellite cluster, compute clusters using Alexio and maybe Presto, TensorFlow, or Spark on top of us. Those are some very, very popular, very common use cases, simple use cases. Of course, there are like more advanced use cases as well, and we have some uh, some users already running us as a like really like central uh, data platform system for their whole organization. For example, there is a big bank they are running us for all their data applications. So their data applications run on top of us, all different type of frameworks in different data centers. And then they have like a store systems being plugged or mounted into us like HDFS, like IBM CleverSafe, like uh, Amazon S3, all this being plugged into us. They already in the achieved that to make us the uh, the real re realize this vision wow. of data orchestration. That's that's pretty very exciting. Data yeah. orchestration for a bank. Banks are not new companies. They're old companies. How do you integrate with a bank? That sounds long and somewhat difficult. That's difficult. And like we have this type of users, customers actually, and has been with us for two two years or more than two years. And the first production deployment has been more than a year. And then after that, it took have, a year to, to finish. Uh, I mean, so like they have been in the staging cluster. They want to make sure right. absolutely, oh, absolutely like nothing goes wrong. I have two parallel systems running all the time for either six months or nine months and then make sure like this system is stable. They switched it on. It's not down, right? So, so. So then they started to uh, put more and more workloads onto this and also develop more and more applications onto this as well as plug more storage into this. Why, like, you know, I talk with these users, customers all the time. When I see this type of progress, I'm super impressed. Of and, course. And very exciting as well. And It's uh, scary. It's yeah. scary to do something And, like and in that. fact, so, well, so many users, like we have maybe 60, 70, like public use cases, like from... 60, 70, like huge companies. Wow. Maybe maybe 50 of them are Fortune 500 and the rest is not that big yet. So so these, these public use cases on our website is a power by page. Uh, that's very exciting. And also towards the end of the year, November 7th, we also were also hosting the first data orchestration summit at uh, Computer History Museum in the Bay Area. Yeah. So that's a uh, lots of use cases will be presented there as well. That's I, I look forward to that. Very exciting. Yeah. I saw uh, 
Maxime Boucherman is going to be speaking at Data Orchestration Summit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he and I are friends, and he, he's an awesome guy. He, he invented several very popular open source I know. software. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And he will be at a open source creator panel at the, the summit. So it will be a very interesting panel. So hopefully people will find it useful. The goal of the panel is to we invite several open different type of open source creators with different type of background. So all different stories, how they start their open source projects. And the goal of the panel is to share and discuss all those experience so that we hope like anyone, any engineers who are thinking of uh, starting their own open source projects, they probably can learn something from those experience. Whatever like these people have done wrong or have done right, we would love to uh, share those things in that panel. You've gotten some of the biggest Chinese companies to integrate with Alexia, which is amazing. Yeah. One thing I've heard about the Chinese infrastructure companies is that because they're a little bit younger, they have fewer layers of this legacy storage. And so it's sometimes easier to integrate with them and the integrations can move a little bit faster. Is that your experience too? So that's part of that. But the other part is that like, you know, so for those companies, they have more data. And yeah, the reason is that because they have more data, I mean, we all know the reason. So because they have more data, their skill is bigger. And when their skill is bigger, they get more value from a system like Alexio. And we have many deployments today, like single Alexio deployment, uh, more than a thousand uh, servers, single. And that's very exciting for us. And we see our technology being battle tested in those type of production environment. And they have a lot of data, they can see value more and give you example. So, I mean, we have teleco users, customers all over the world, right? And like China Unicom is using our technology. They are one of the three telecos there, right? So they have 320 million subscribers. That's a lot. Yeah. Isn't that as many people as are in the United States? Probably. So, so that they have uh, 320 million users, subscribers in their network. And we use our system as one of the core systems to process those data. Wow. So like to route phone calls. Building, like learning, all those type of things. Building, yeah. machine yeah. learning. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's the scale is really huge. And that also imposes more technical challenges as well. And our system are being built being designed from day one as a scale out architecture. And we're just so happy to see like people are using us at that level of scale. And so it also sounds like you were talking about, you mentioned this a couple of times, but kind of this idea that you decouple the platform engineer from the application engineer. Yes. And essentially because, you know, like there's data silos in the end day. And traditionally people try to solve the data silo issue by creating another storage, removing the data silo. It never worked. It never worked. We have histories to show this. And then we are creating this new layer inserted into the middle between applications and storage, right? And, and storage deployments. So called data orchestration layer, data orchestration system. And what we really enable is that to separate, logically separate the application layer and the storage layer. So when this separation happens, so this essentially make two sides job easier, 
we can worry less about how to interact with more and more systems on either side. And hopefully that will help the ecosystem innovate faster. I'll give you an example, like similarly in history, what has been done like this. So in the, for internet, for example, for the internet, you have seven layers portal, seven layers protocols. And in the middle, there's an IP layer as a narrow waste. As long as whatever beneath the IP layer plug into, can talk to the IP layer based on the protocol, as long as upper layer can talk to the IP layer, so they can communicate. It doesn't matter anymore. Like lower layer doesn't need to worry about what's the innovation or changes in the upper layer. As long as in the, in the middle, this narrow waste continues to work. So that's, that's the beauty of it. And that's more from the whole ecosystem stack view and which we really encourage like platform distributed system engineers to join us, either help us to contribute to our distributed system, this Alexio open source data orchestration system, or help us to build the ecosystem by integrating more and more like upper layer, like data-driven applications with us, like make the integration better and more efficient, or like integrate us with more store systems beneath us. That's one, like they'd be very uh, exciting to see the community to grow and more people to join the community to together realize the goal. And if we can realize it, it'd be a very cool and interesting uh, ecosystem future. How do you think this will impact consumer file systems? Because like, you know, I use uh, I use Dropbox yeah. pretty aggressively. Yeah. And Dropbox has this pretty cool thing where they can kind of give you a basically a virtual file system. It's it, you know, it yeah. gives you a window into everything you have in the yep. cloud. Yep. But in order to sync it, you have to sync it. You yeah. have to download it from the internet. Yeah. And like I've got big wave files I deal yeah. with. Like we're recording a big wave file right yeah. now. I'm going to keep most of these in the cloud and then when I download it it's going to take me a while. Is that going to get significantly accelerated anytime soon? So, that's a great question and at the moment we're not focusing any workloads like that, right? So, we're mainly focusing like say if the developer, they are Spark developer, they are the like large scale data like analytics developer, Spark, Presto, Hive, or machine learning, like very large scale data-driven workloads developers. We're targeting this type of workloads today. And from the storage integration perspective, and we're integrating large scale storage systems as well. All these are in the company type of scale and people typically categorize us into the infrastructure software. So not like Jobbox, a consumer use that. So we don't have a direct impact to this type of a consumer like interaction with applications today. Even though our users, they use, they build up the systems and analytics, machine learning to better serve the end consumers. That's their job. So, but at the same time, we're being asked by the community that people will say, can you like mount, instead of mount, besides mounting like HDFS, S3, like NFS, etc into Alexio, can you also mount like Google Drive into Alexio? And they want to do learning. So using the data inside oh, of Google wow. Drive. So people don't care. In the end of the day, from the application developer perspective, they shouldn't care about where the data is stored and how the data is stored. Wait, wait, who, who, who's asking you to mount Google? You, the Google Drive is so not it's an a open machine learning. We have machine learning product 
and they already have done using us like uh, mounting all different public cloud storage as well as typical like HDFS and NFA, etc. And their users use their platform to do machine learning, right? So their users may have data from other places as well, and they just want to plug those data in. That's fundamentally why they want a system like this. Yeah. I see. So they want a way for Google Drive to interesting to be synced into memory. So they first of all, they, they actually they don't care about the performance, number one. They care about accessibility. Yeah. So because they they are users This is exactly the use case I'm asking you for with Dropbox. Yeah. So essentially they don't like they have a machine learning application. The data could be stored their users data could be stored in NFS, could be stored in S3, could be stored in Google Drive, right? So, but the machine learning application or machine learning application developer doesn't want to care about it. Right. They just want to access the data. Right. And then process it. So when they're iterating through all the files in the file system, in the virtual, in the the Alexio point of view, virtual file system, if those files are can be in memory, it's going to be much faster to access and process them. But if you got to go into the underlying storage layer, like I guess you would have to, or I guess in the Google Drive case, you'd have to go across the network, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, And exactly. you just have to make individual network calls and yeah. then grab it from yep. however Google Drive is storing it yep. and pull those into memory before you're going to learn on it. That's that. the integration part that our system needs to do with Google Drive. Mm. And similarly, we can do other type of integration with other type of that's just an, And that's just an API integration. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean... You can call API or driver, however call it, yes. And I assume the same would almost be true. I mean, people probably ask for the same thing with like Google Analytics, Stripe, you know, QuickBooks, right? Like, wouldn't all these APIs, they're like, can you easily pull this into memory for, or, or is that not your responsibility? Would that be something else? I mean, because the Google Drive, that thing, the interface between Google Drive and the Aluxio file system, that's basically networking API integrations that you need to write. Is the same true for something like if you wanted to get all like the their data from Stripe and pull that into memory and like always keep that in memory? Or is that I guess that's a different question. So when people again, when people talk more about the Google Drive type of integration, uh-huh. uh they are less concerned. They're concerned about the performance, but the number one issue they want to solve is accessibility. Essentially, they already built a like machine learning or whatever data driven application. That data-driven application will use one type of interface to interact with the data. And for a lot of machine learning type of applications, they use file system interface. And then it's not a how they can talk to Google Drive. And then if there's no system like us, like this data orchestration system like Luxio, essentially what do they what can they do? One way they can do is somehow write another program to migrate the data from Google Drive to some place like they can talk, some other stores they can talk to, their API can talk to, right? So that's essentially create another data silo and another data copy. And this migrating process is error prone and also is very time consuming process as well. And that's one way. And the other way is that they need to modify their application to talk to another interface like to interact with the Google Drive. That's also time consuming, right? So you need to change your application, test your application, 
like somehow make your application production ready again. Oh, that's a long cycle. Depends on the company and depends on the you know person. That's that's never an easy thing to do. And because of this, with a system like this, essentially dramatically improve the productivity of these application developers. They just don't need to care anymore. Yeah, for the how the how their application access data from different places and where the data is stored. I think the reason I was thinking about that is I did I did a show recently with, you know, the company Fivetran, the data connector company. Uh-huh. Okay. Well I talked I talked to them uh-huh. recently. I was just thinking about ETL, but uh-huh. you're not doing ETL. You're being you're you're an interface. So we are a system and the system provide operate provide all the applications fast data access to data store anywhere. We don't care. Then they don't wouldn't need to care anymore. So there are people building or have built like ETL type of applications on top of us. So that's where the relationship is. So essentially, we have seen many companies running ETL workloads. They have written on top of like running those type of workloads on top of us. Yeah. So that it would just be a transform from from one system to another. And if it's all built on if all of those ETL jobs are just between two different systems that are on a Luxio, they're probably going to be a lot faster than one system that's on a Luxio and one that's like well, has a lot of disk usage. Faster, faster, as well as uh, like more future prone, like easier to write. For example, from that application perspective, if they are interacting with a, a Luxio, maybe behind the scene is one S3, one is HDFS, right? Behind the scene, two different folders. But from the ETL job perspective, you know, it's just talking to a Luxio. And it doesn't know what's behind the scene. It doesn't need to know. And then the same application today run between HDFS and S3. Tomorrow can run between any other storage as well. For example, like CleverSafe and GCP. So that's the beauty of it as well. Cool. Tell me about your your plans for the future and what engineering problems you're working on right now. How do you want the company to look in five years? Five years is a long time. Okay, two years, <laughs> one year. So, I mean, say five years, I would hope uh, we achieve the goal. Many, many companies like in the world have used this data orchestration system to make it the data platform in their organization, like the bank, bank, bank example. I talked about earlier. That's hopefully many of these companies have achieved that. And that's five years. But from two year perspective, we already have many, many use cases from these four sectors. And we're continuously to innovate the system. So we're making the system more performant. Many, many people work on the performance side. We're making the system much easier to use, like to help the adoption, to reach the more and more people in the ecosystem. We are developing features to orchestrate the data more. For example, how to effectively store the data in different storage systems to make the cold data in the cheaper storage and hot data in the warmer store, in, in a more expensive storage, right? So also this is a this is a new layer and there's so many work, so much different so many different type of features our users are asking, like that example of plugging, like mounting like a Google Drive into us as well to connect us more with an even bigger ecosystem. So that's, that's all the things we are trying to do. And just more users, more impact, and more people in our community. 
and get value from the system, from the community, as well as contribute into the community. It'd be more fun. Can you imagine any like cloud service that you would offer? I mean, because today it's it's kind of, mm-hmm. you get these large customers, you figure out how to do the integration. It can be a long cycle time, but then you have a great customer for a very long period of time. Can you imagine a self-serve version of this? Yeah, 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 definitely. So there are s- several things here, several things. One is that there are certain cloud-based like product offerings already embedded us and embedded our software technology. And some is visible, some oh, is so not. So they're offering your cloud, your, your tax so is Alexia. No, no worries. They offer a product and in the product, there's the component, like important components, Alexio. And we are working closely with those vendors okay. in the world. That's, that's exciting. That's one thing. And the other thing is that if you go to our, this uh, website today, alexio.io, go to the Try Alexio page, and you can see like we have the tutorial and uh, to deploy battle-tested version of Alexio in the cloud. But it's not a hosted service, but it's a uh, easy deployment for the cloud workloads. And the reason is that we have seen many, many like our users already running us in the cloud. So we essentially developed this to make their life much easier to more potential users life much easier to adopt this technology software in the cloud. That's the second way. And the third way of the will be a managed service from us and we don't have it today. To wrap up, what's the hardest part about managing a company? <laughs> I would say, you know, I think the hard part will be at different time, there are different t- challenges and different issues. That's the hard part. It's never the same. And the first 90 days, a different challenge. The second 90 days, another different challenge. The third 90 days, another different challenge. It's always different. And also what I've learned is that it's fun to see the challenges. If you work on it, it will be solved. That's the, the challenge and at least how I face the challenge, these type of challenges. HY, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate that. 